Okay, let us pray. We thank you, God, that this life is not all there is, and that this body is not all that there is, and that this world is not all that there is, and that there's another kingdom coming, and there's a new creation coming. There's going to be for us a new body with which to enter into that new kingdom and that new creation. So, dear God, we pray as we study, may you fill us with the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and impart that knowledge into our hearts and minds so that it may transform how we live here and now today. Amen. So as we get into it today, we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we're learning is that Jesus' resurrection is prototypical for us. Those of us who love and trust in Jesus, one day we will die and we will rise and we'll get a glorified, eternal, supernatural body like Jesus. That's one of the everything that we will get. And think about what that sounds. How many of you right here today, honestly, if you could, you would trade your body in for a new one? How many of you are sick? You just feel horrible. The body gets achy, gets sick, fragile. You know, we spend so much of our life just working on our body, trying to have our health, going to our naturopath, working on our diet, exercising, taking medication if we get sick. Then the next thing you know, we're on antibiotics. And then we can even get really sick sometimes, right? And we need to be hospitalized and we need surgery and we get cancer and we go in for chemotherapy. We want this body to come together and it never does really come together. Paul told his church that one day they would rise from death and they'd get a brand new body. And as soon as he says, you're going to get a new body, they're like, wow, we got questions. I'm sure many of you do too. And those questions are outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 35. And he says it this way. Someone may ask, how are the dead raised? First question. And subsequent, with what kind of body will they come? When do we receive it? How do we receive it? When's this all going to happen? And how's this all going to happen? So let's take a look at some of them. What will our glorified body be like? How many of you, right, ever thought, okay, if I rise from the dead, what will it be like? I'm hoping to be taller. Some of you probably are wondering, well, I, will my resurrected body, will I be attractive? Will the cellulite be gone? God made the world good. God made the world very good. He made us very good. But sin came into the world because of us and our first parents. Romans 8 says that now everything is under the curse, and that includes our physical bodies. Nothing works the way it's supposed to. So sickness and pain and injury and frailty of the human condition and the inevitable death of us all, it's all the result of sin and the curse. And the question is, how are we going to get around that? And the answer is the resurrection of Jesus. Well, if Jesus is going to get me around death and give me a resurrected body that doesn't have sickness, that doesn't have disease, and that doesn't have infirmity or ailment, how is this going to happen and what will this be like? In verse 36, he says, How foolish! What you sow, 
does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body, as he determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun is one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. Here's what he's saying. Let me give you an analogy. How many of you remember when you were a little kid and the first time you planted a seed? Remember your mom or dad, your grandpa, grandma gave you a seed. Your teacher gave you a seed and said, put that in the ground. And you said, why? That's not going to do anything. And they said, no, put it in the ground. It will. And you put it in the ground and it'll die. You bury it in the dirt, it'll die. And then it'll rise. And you'll get a plant or a tree or a vegetable or a flower or you'll get something unbelievable and glorious and good that you would have never expected would come from just a simple, unattractive, unassuming seed. Paul says, so it is with the body. We're sick, we're under the curse, we're frail. Eventually we die, we put it in the ground, buried, the dirt goes on us. Then one day, with Jesus, we will rise like Jesus. We'll get out of our graves. Glorified new body, far more extravagant, wonderful, glorious and good than we could have ever asked for, hoped, or imagined. That's what he says it'll be like. And somebody obviously asks, well, how could God do this? I mean, what what about like Aunt Sally? I mean, we cremate, cremated her. She was spread all over the sea. She's all scattered. How's that going to work? And what about the people that were burned up? And what about the people that were blown up? And what about those people that their bodies just wasted away and decayed? They're, they're utterly destroyed. They're in the grave and all their flesh is gone because they've been there forever. What happens to them? Here's what he says. If God can make the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth and all their splendor out of nothing, if God can make the first man out of the dust of the earth, if God can make the first woman out of the rib of the man, then God can make a body for us. If God can make everything, then God can make a body. He just can. That's what he says. He doesn't give us all the details. He just tells us to trust God. God made everything. God can make you a new body. And then he goes to verse 42. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. Wow, those are revealing words. Meaning the body we're in now, frail, sick, gets injured, it dies. But it'll be raised imperishable. It won't get sick. It won't get injured. It won't decay. It won't die. Think about that. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. We'll deal with that in a minute. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. How many of you feel physically weak? You wake up and you say, man, I just don't have the strength I once did. I just don't feel real strong. I had four shots of espresso and it didn't do the trick. He says the resurrection body won't be weak. It'll be strong, powerful. It's raised in power, sown a natural body, right? Just a normal physical body, frail, elsewhere called a jar of clay. 
real fragile. And it has raised a spiritual body, supernatural, not prone to sickness, death, the effects of the curse. There is a natural body. There is also a spiritual body. Here's what he's saying. We're born in a body that is subject to death and decay and destruction. And because of that, life is painful and life is hard. And some of you struggle with chronic pain, chronic illness, chronic disease. And some of you have already lost those that you love. And some of you fear you're going to be losing them soon. And some of you in your own death is very imminent. All of which is an indication that this body is perishable and it's weak and it's frail and it's fallen apart. Sin and the curse and death seem to be winning. And we, like Jesus, if we trust in him, will die, but we will be risen like him in a supernatural body that doesn't get sick and doesn't get injured and doesn't die. Won't that be a great day when we don't need doctors? Because so much of our life is about how to get the best medical treatments. But in the kingdom, there won't be medical treatments because we won't be sick and the curse. So much of our world is about how to get people clean drinking water and to get them proper medication when they're sick and trying to deal with all of these diseases, particularly those who are elderly, dying, and sick. What Paul is saying is that the new body won't need doctors. It won't need naturopaths. We love doctors and naturopaths. We love nutritionists. We love those who do health for the body, those who are personal trainers and chiropractors and physiotherapists and those who do physical rehabilitation. We love surgeons. And we love those who work in pharmacies and even those who work in a health food store and make us feel a little bit guilty about what we're eating. But we love all those people. But we long for the day when we don't need any of them, when everybody's healthy and strong. The water's clean, the air is pure, the food is pure, the body functions, sickness, the curse, death, disease, no longer present. Paul says that will be the case with the resurrected body. You won't have anything in your medicine cabinet. You'll never see a walker or a wheelchair again. Nobody will ever need crutches and the doctors will just be on vacation forever. He says that's the day that we're longing for when we have this imperishable, immortal body. Now there's something humorous in this section as well because he says that our body is sown in dishonor. Now how many of you have found your body to have some dishonorable functions dishonorable things about the body right do you have a lot of earwax put a q-tip in take it out pool you got a candle you could sell that candle on ebay how many of you have stinky feet how many of you have huge you know yellow toenails that you can only trim with a router how many of you are sweaters some of you have flatulitis some of you are going bald some of you guys have back hair that's unbelievable. Some of you, your body produces a lot of nasal mucus and you wish you could harvest it and sell it for some good use and make a lot of money. But enough of the bathroom humor. The body does dishonorable things. The body has a lot of things that are dishonorable and sort of embarrassing. You're like, I'm not really proud of that part of my body. He says the resurrection body will be honorable. It won't have all these functions won't have all these quirks and leaks and issues that the present body does. So our immortal soul is housed in our material body. 
When our material body dies, it goes into the ground and our immaterial soul goes to be with the Lord. And then one day our immaterial soul is reunited with our material body and we resurrect like Jesus and live forever, body and soul completely united in perfect, harmonious, sinless state, without curse, without death, without sickness, without injury, without frailty, without the things that we struggle with today. And so in some ways, it's kind of like going clothes shopping. That's how I kind of see the resurrection. Think about it. You've got your body, you put clothes on it. You got your soul, you put the clothing of the new body on it. That's the way it is. So for all of you who like to shop, think of the resurrection as shopping, except you don't get to pick out your new digs. You don't decide what you'll look like. God does something much better. Move over, Amani, the expert designer, the grand architect himself, the one who made the beautiful flowers and the most gorgeous sunsets, will clothe you in a new, beautiful body. Verse 45, we get a body from the first human being, our father Adam, from the dust from the earth. But from the last Adam, the man from heaven, Jesus, we will bear his likeness. Here's what he's saying. We're all born with a body that is under the curse as sons and daughters of Adam because of sin. We are born in this body under the curse as part of what Romans 8 calls the cursed world that strains under the effects of sin. So our body is counted in that and we have bodies that are frail and falling apart. But contrary to Adam, there is Jesus, our eternal God who came down from heaven he took upon himself a human body. He lived as a human being. He grew as a human being. Jesus went through all of the same issues that we do. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus was betrayed by his friends. Jesus suffered by crucifixion, a painful, excruciating, horrifying death, feeling all of the same discomforts and pains that you and I would have felt had we went through that same thing. And Jesus then died, and he tasted death for sure. And he was buried, and three days later he rose. And what he's saying is that through Jesus there is victory over sin. There is victory over the curse. There is victory over illness and injury and frailty for those who trust in him. Because he alone is the one who has come to undo all that has been lost with the first Adam. And so... As we're born to follow in the pattern of Adam, the pattern of sin and sickness and death, we're born again to follow in the pattern of Jesus, the pattern of forgiveness, life, redemption, and eternity with God in a resurrected, glorified body. And our new body will be immortal. It'll live forever. Won't you be happy to never have to go to a funeral again? You won't be, you won't, won't you be happy not to have to worry about the death of a loved one? Or your own death ever again. That immortal body will live forever. It won't die. And it's curious because there's something in us that just wants to live forever, isn't there? I mean, so much of our life is trying to prolong our life. But nonetheless, we all die. I was thinking about this. And sometimes our cultural stories, our myths, our fables, our folklore. I mean, we don't call it that today, but that's really what it is. We call it fantasy. Think about it. They teach something about our deepest longing. Our deepest longing is to have new bodies. 
This is usually what happens with our comic book superheroes. Think about it. There's an average ordinary person that then undergoes some extraordinary transforming event, oftentimes in an instant. And then subsequently they get a new body and they're strong and they're supernatural and they don't die and they don't get sick and they live the life that we all wish we could. Give you an example, right? Clark Kent becomes Superman. Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man. Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. Diana becomes Wonder Woman and Bruce Banner becomes Incredible Hulk. So many more. Our culture is obsessed with immortality. And you, Christian, have got the answer. Jesus Christ. The simple point is this. That we have these characters that we invent and they're human beings or look like human beings, but they're super human. And they don't get sick and they don't get injured and they don't die, not like we do. There's something immortal about them. And we love that. And wouldn't we be just totally bummed if like Superman got the flu while he's flying, saying, you know what, oh, my nose is runny, I got coughs, I'm just going to have to go back home, I can't rescue you today. And wouldn't be bummed if the Hulk was like picking something up and then he threw out his back and he had to go to the chiropractor. See, something in us wants this different body that's incapable of being hurt and broken and frail and fragile and defeated. Something in us wants this body, and I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from our eternal Father. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men, that something in us wants to be eternal. Something in us wants to live and not die, wants to be healthy and not sick. Well, to me, this indicates that the world is not the way it is supposed to be. Otherwise, we'd be okay with it. But the truth is we get frustrated. We all do. I wish I could get healthy. I wish I didn't have aches and pains. I wish I didn't have to see my friends, family, loved ones get sick and die. And those of you who have ever said, I wish we didn't have any wars and nobody got killed. Or I wish we didn't have to remember the dead like on Remembrance Day. I wish we didn't have millions of AIDS orphans running around in Africa. I wish everybody had clean drinking water. I wish that the super viruses weren't more powerful than the antibiotics we give them. I wish we didn't have crazy people shooting all those people in church or at a concert or mowing down the innocent cyclists. I wish that never happened. Any of you who ever felt that, longed for that, or yearned for that, desired for that, whether or not you acknowledged or understand it, what you want at your deepest is peace. You want somebody to take away sin from the whole world. You want someone to lift the effects of the curse. You want someone to get rid of disease and illness and the frailty of the human condition. You want somebody to give you a new body and you want to live forever as a new person in a new place. What you want is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he himself is our peace. And that is why we worship Jesus today and every day of our lives. He's everything. 
I hope this place reminds you of him. Our future is a glorious one because of our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.